755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real in the throes of spring training now. Uh, Eric, watched your guy pitch today again, King Felix, and I was impressed. You said we'd like this guy, really like him. His personality is great, but more, more importantly to the Braves than that is he's pitching well. I'm, uh, they've got to be really encouraged so far. Three starts, 2.08 ERA, and he's not giving up many hits and walks. Got eight strikeouts, three walks, seven hits allowed, a couple of runs, and he's gotten out of repeatedly gotten out of jams like a guy who's been around a lot knows how to get out of jams to make the right pitch, get a double play ball. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, he's going to compete. That's something that I've always known about Felix. Yeah. It's, it's, he's going to show up and compete. Um, it's it's great to see him start off like this, and hopefully he can just keep it up because I think it lo- it's looking like there's going to be a spot open for him. So it almost it's, it's getting to the point where it's his, it's, it's his to lose. So I'd love to see him just keep that up. Yeah, I didn't introduce Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. He pitched with Felix, or he came up with Felix uh, in the – Seattle Mariners organization. You pitched with him briefly, right? A couple of years, parts of a couple of years. Yeah, in Seattle in the big leagues, he was always a, right. a level ahead of me in the minors. But uh, he was the he was the big dog coming up, to say the least. Yeah, uh, guy who I think pit, he was number pitched, one, number one prospect in the minors. Yeah, he was. At some point. Yeah, sixteen years in the big leagues, his sixteenth year, and a guy's still only thirty three. It's <laughs> wild. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? He'll be 34, as he said, on uh, opening day, but he's not old, he's told us, again. <laughs> but, he, uh, yeah, there's going to be a spot because uh, Cole Hamels, this thing's taking longer, as it usually does. You know, the, they say three weeks, and then next thing you know, they're saying, yeah, he's doing better, but he's not ready to throw yet. So, I think, you know, if you're the Braves, even though they act like they're not concerned, I think you got to be a little concerned. Um, Cole Hamels, obviously – Obviously, they know what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, and they trust him to be honest. And he's being honest because he's he's not throwing yet. And if he, you know, was just trying to get in there, and uh, uh, he could just say, "Yeah, I'm ready to go," but he hasn't. But he's not throwing a ball now in about uh, let's see, since late January or early February, sometime right after Chop Fest. So it's probably been about a month, and. They said yesterday he'll probably be cleared. To, they're just doing more strengthening still on the shoulder, the, the the sore shoulder, and that he stood he should start throwing soon. But you got if you're looking at he's basically going to be starting from scratch, right? I mean you're you're looking at I don't see how any way he could be here before say mid May. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was thinking when we initially heard he was he was going to be shut down from throwing for a few weeks. You know, mm-hmm. it's with a relief pitcher you could probably get him ready faster, but. The thing with him is is you really want him for the stretch run in the playoffs yeah. anyway. And it's obviously it's you don't you don't want that when you sign a guy to a one year deal. You know, you're not you're not hoping you have him for half a season. But um with him it, you just don't want to rush him because when there's little stuff like this and, and if they're saying they're not worried about it, it's it's partially just because they know they have a lot of time and, and guys that are ready to step up and, and they want some answers on some guys too. They want to know what um Newcomb can do. They want to. They want to know if Felix still has something left in the tank. So, it's really not a, a huge deal as far as you know, just pure panic mode. But you know, he's he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to get get into long tossing again, and then he's gonna have to get off the mound, and he's gonna have to be off the mound for a week or two before he gets into a game. So it's it's probably yeah. I mean, I'd say mid May. Mid May would be nice. Would be. I mean, that, that's kind of mm-hmm. 
That's about right, I'd say. Yeah, I think the uh, you know that you you pointed out the positives if there are to take out of this are are that there was only going to be one spot open, and you've got yeah. a couple of guys in King Felix and, and Sean Newcomb who both arguably are deserving of that spot if they pitch well this spring. And Nuke is so jacked up and excited about getting an opportunity. So you're not going to be forced to make a decision between those two, and they're both going to get a chance to see what they can do in real games that count for about a month or six weeks. Uh, so that's the big positive in this. And they were going to need that fifth starter this year, unlike some past years where they've had three or four uh, open days in the first couple of weeks because of rainout days built in schedule. There are none this time. There's only one off day in the first like three weeks, three or four weeks. So they're going to need that fifth starter, and they're not planning to skip him at all. Uh, they're just going to, on the one off day they have, they're just going to get everybody an extra day rest. So they're going to need that fifth starter. So that could be Nuke and that, or that could be Felix, and they're going to get to pitch on a regular basis for you know, five, six weeks. Uh, and the other thing is, if one of the five they've got right now, if it's those five, assuming it's uh, Nuke and, and Felix, you've got depth right now, and, and it's showing pretty well this spring. Kyle Wright looks like a different guy. He made an adjustment to his delivery, seemingly a small adjustment, but as a pitcher, you know how big these things can be. It, was, it involved his, uh, his leg lift. He was pointing his knee out just a little bit, but over the years it had gotten a little worse and worse. And – it was it felt awkward for him trying to make the adjustment in season, but he worked on it all winter up at Vandy when he was with some coaches and some major leaguers up there and the Bra- sending the Braves videotape of showing progress as their coaches kept getting videotaped from make sure he was doing it right. But bring, pointing his knee inward and turning his back a little bit, and he said it's all the difference in the world in allowing his arm to catch up and not get ahead of his body, and that the command, as a result, has been so much better. He said it's so much easier to throw strikes, even though it feels a little awkward, you know, almost like he's turning his back to the catcher. But it, the, the the effect is exactly what they hoped it would be. You know, it's so weird because, um, you know, if you tell a pitcher to, to drop his arm slot, mm-hmm. he can drop his arm a quarter of an inch and it feels like a foot and a half. Um, you just, you, you repeat this motion so much. That's why it's so hard for guys to make adjustments in season, uh, especially when you're trying to get results and trying to get hitters out, but little stuff like that, man. I mean, it, you're always looking for that. A pitcher's always looking for a key where, uh, you know, it's you keep your shoulder in a split second longer. You, you get your foot down a little earlier. You stay back a little longer, just little adjustments. Um, and guys will make an adjustment like that. And it'll seem so stupid because you won't even be able to see it on video. And a lot of times it's just like proprioception. You know, it's just it just feels different or it feels right. But guys will make these adjustments and they'll go on like a three month tear. And, you mm-hmm. you know, it's just that's just baseball, man. I think the most comparable sport would probably be golf as far as, you know, the, mm-hmm. the little mechanical adjustments that get amplified. But if he says it's making that big of a difference for him, I mean, you got to believe it. Yeah, he said that when they looked at it, when they really slowed it down the video, he could see his arm getting ahead of his body. You know, when with the uh, when when his knee was kind of pointed a little bit forward instead of in, and he was opening up with the knee. He said his it was, result was he'd end up getting ahead. His arm it wasn't in the right slot overhead, and it would get ahead of him, and that was uh, get him out of whack with throwing with throwing strikes. So he had good periods last year. He had stretches where he was really good, and then he'd have a couple of two or three really bad games and and he thought that uh you know he he says he feels so much more consistent now with this so you know the stuff is there i mean this guy's got great stuff he's got the top of the rotation stuff which is why he was the first round draft pick a couple of years out of years ago out of vandy and he's a really smart guy intelligent 
and he's six five. I mean, all the stuff is there for the guy to be a, you know, top of the rotation type starter. He has great. He has a great mound presence too. Um, I, I just I love the way he walks around the mound. He looks like he's in total control. He doesn't look rushed. He doesn't look. Uh, he didn't look nervous at all. He looks like he's in control and, and confident every time I've seen him out there. Even when he wasn't getting the results, he, he you know he he paced himself and 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 looked like he had it all just you know mapped out how it was going to go, even if it didn't go his way. But you know that's that's part of the battle, man. That's that's part of the whole battle is is learning these little adjustments and you pick up on these things as you go. Because when you're like an 18, 20 year old, you're just kind of winging it. You know, you're just throwing the ball hard or, or figuring it out, but as you get farther along in your career, you get to the big leagues. That's what big leaguers are able to do. You know, next time he gets into a little uh, rut, he could think about what he's doing with his knee and he might fix it in two pitches versus, you know, two outings or three outings. And those are the inconsistencies you see with guys that kind of bounce up and down between AAA and the majors and, and can't seem to put it all together or just little adjustments like he's talking about. Um, and then, and then all of a sudden you, I call it a key. Well, so, so now you got a key. And, and so you say, you know, one of my big keys is whatever he's, I don't understand what he's saying about his knee. I think he's just kind of internally rotating it a little bit, but mm-hmm. one of his keys is that front knee. He's like, all right, or maybe it's his back knee. I'm not sure, but no, it's his front uh, knee. He said he was opening up before and now okay. he's, he's consciously pointing it inward to where his back, he turns his shoulder a little bit where he feels like his back is facing the catcher. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, so he's kind of rotating. Yes, he's rotating instead of him before he wasn't. And his arm yeah. was getting ahead of him, he felt like. So now he's got that key. So it, next time he gets into a little slump or something, because the goal, you know, the goal is to not be thinking any type of mechanics when you're on the mound. But you have to be somewhat conscious of if you miss, you know, if I miss up and away two, three times in a row, maybe I'm flying open. And mm-hmm. and it, you you take it and essentially you turn it from a guessing game into you learn your delivery and you learn yourself so well that now it's not a guessing game. I know what I do when I miss up that way. I know what I do when I can't throw strikes. And you have all these keys you turn to that, that kind of get you locked back in uh, just in a shorter period, you know, yeah. with less with less error. So Yeah, hitters for him, have man, the same thing. Hitters have everybody, those cues Everybody in baseball is yeah. doing it. Yeah, cue, a key, whatever you want to call it. Everybody's uh-huh. doing the same game, making those little adjustments. And, man, it's just wild because you make one stupid adjustment and, and you can literally ride that thing. And it's the only thing you have to think about when you throw the ball or swing a bat for three or four months because you've built up the, mus- the muscle memory and the rest of you know mm-hmm. your delivery or swing. And you ride it. You can ride it for three or four months and just be unhittable. Or, or you know, a guy can go hit – you when you see a guy hit 340, you know, with like – 12 home runs in, in like a three or four week span. That's the type of stuff they're doing. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it might seem minor and you might not even be able to see it on video and, and, you know, an untrained eye might not be able to pick it out. But if he says it feels that much different, you got to believe it. Yeah. And he was missing up and up and away is what he, what you were talking about flying open yeah. and missing up and away. Um, uh, yeah, it's like the, it's like with the hitters, like what Dansby had last year, the thing he worked on with Chipper, that small adjustment, but he was just raking as a result of the start of the season. He looked like a different guy. And then, uh, Austin Riley right now, he made that adjustment, well, with his back foot and stopped with a hip slide. And now he's not, he's not swinging and missing. He's not, he's not striking out and he's making contact and you're seeing the results. So. Yeah, yeah, it's a little it's a, things. It's always evolving too, because then you'll have that adjustment and you over exaggerate it to the point where it becomes a yeah. problem, and you got to come up with a new one that kind of fixes that. But you know, the the really good ones, are, I mean, they're so in tune with what's going on with their body, they can just keep on coming up with adjustments and keys, and and they have kind of go to stuff that gets them back to um, kind of 
their base level and their base swing or, or base delivery. You know, it's um, yeah, it's cool, man. I, I love seeing guys and I love hearing them talk about it. That's probably my favorite thing about the game of baseball was just always trying to fix those little problems and and it's like solving a puzzle every day. Well, so so it's great to have that kind of depth because and also Tuki Toussaint cleaned up his delivery some in the offseason and he looks a lot better too. He's pitched well so far. So you got those two extra guys, whoever they are, because when you look at it, Cole Hamels has thrown, you know, 150 innings or less for about three straight years. He had one year in there where he threw closer to 200, but the other two is around 150. Uh, Max Fried is a guy who hasn't been high in the innings yet, and he's had some nagging stuff and the blister thing. Uh, Soroka still hasn't piled up a big innings year yet, a full season, because he started a little late last year. So it's good to have that depth because you got – and then Fulte obviously was so inconsistent last year. Anything could happen with him. Nuke, you know, he spent most of the year in the bullpen last year. You got a bunch of guys. It's not like you have three or four guys who've been pitching 200 innings a year, in other words. So that depth, you're going to need that depth for sure. And I'm still not convinced that they won't need to make a trade for the top of the rotation starter in midseason. But at least they've got some depth to work with and and hopefully can find five guys out of that group of about eight uh, to, to, to give – to be fairly consistent. They will. You know, it's it's kind of just a balancing act of of giving guys, you know, especially young players, kind of a little bit of time to take their lumps and figure it out at the big league level. But you're also trying to win a division. Yeah, so, exactly. you know, there's going to be a sense of urgency where, you know, that you got to get it together and figure it out. And we need somebody to step up. And usually in these situations, it's just whoever steps up. You know, if, if somebody's inconsistent or struggling or keeps having injuries, you know, you can get – they call it Wally Pitt pretty quick, but mm-hmm. if Wright's ready or if Tukey's ready, and and Tukey's another guy that I think is just he's just a little inconsistent with with some of his his delivery and 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 some of his um, pitches he makes, and you know, sometimes he'll have a rough inning. But Tukey's another guy that he's so damn close, man. Like he's just he's one adjustment or just kind of one cue or one different thought away from uh, you could really see him taking off too. So having those two guys down there, knowing that they're this close to the big leagues. Um, you know, you just hope they don't get discouraged if if the rotation is really dealing well because you're going to need them at some point. Yeah, if anything, the Braves have shown they're not reluctant at all to move guys back and forth. So. Not one bit. Uh, or to put a guy on the DL if he's just a little achy or they think he needs to take a DL stint. So. If you're a little um, achy and, and you're dealing, you're not going on the DL. But if you're a little <laughs> achy and you've yeah. had a couple rough starts, you're, you're not, going – Yeah. If you, you're going to be right on that thing. <laughs> yeah, they, it's amazing how they get a little achy when they've had a few rough starts. Well, you know, it's how it works, though, is usually you'll just be getting worked on something with the trainer. It's like your bicep just has been a little tight, and you go out there and you give up like a three-spot four outings in a row. You're like, hey, uh, your bicep's going to need a few weeks off. <laughs> it's bothering you. You know, and then, and then the press release comes out, and you're like, yeah, yeah it's not that bad, but we got to do the right thing here and take care of it. We predict those quite often. Uh, yeah. I'm predicting that within a two days he's going to have a – Fill in the blank string. <laughs> yeah. So Felix, after today's game, uh, it was funny. You said, asked him about reinventing himself after, you know, a few, I asked him, you know, after a few years of not really having that big fastball anymore, has he felt, is he feel comfortable now kind of with his reinvented self? And he said, yeah, man, I had to get out of the American league, go to the national league, see something different. He said, <laughs> the velo's not there, but I've got other weapons. <laughs> <laughs> Then he said uh, a few more things. He said in a post game with us. He said, uh, "I asked him if he was going to surprise some people who wrote him off after the last couple of seasons out in Seattle." He said, "Man, I don't want to talk about it. I don't have to prove anything. I do what I do. I'm just going to go out there and compete." He was smiling when he said it, though. He's not like he's angry, but he said, "No." Uh, 
somebody asked him again about being 33 and, and you know that uh, and, and he said I'm 33 I'm going to be 34 at the start of the season but I'm not that old uh and then <laughs> and then uh and then he was asked uh, if he's got some years left, good years left, plural. And he said, definitely, for sure. Uh, and I'm being with the Braves. He said, I picked this team because they're really, really good. I'm just going to go out there and compete, just be myself. And at that point, somebody asked him about, you know, being a Mariner for the last 15 years. Does it feel you know, strange yet wearing another uni? He said, I think the red looks good on me. <laughs> <laughs> he just wants to pitch well. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's He's a funny, man. Start on the other coast, and I think that was good. It was good, good decision on his part and the Braves' part, obviously. I mean, he could be the next Anibal Sanchez. We'll see. I'm not going to put too much stock in spring training results, but so far, so good. He's doing exactly what they hoped he would do so far. Yeah, he's yeah, healthy. And he's, That's most important. And he's happy. He's yeah. you know being healthy. It's being hurt. Just it's such a mental toll, and, and it's like what you said. You know, with 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 Hamels, you don't have to. You're expecting what you expect out of him, but the performance is going to be there. But w- with yeah. Felix, he's going to have to. If his shoulder hurt right now, there's he's still pitching, you know, because he's got to pitch to keep playing. He's got to pitch to make this team. Where a guy like Hamels, who's in the position he's in, he can take it really, really slow and and be really careful with his shoulder and be like, yeah, you know, I'll be ready mid May or June, and everybody's fine with that. But with Felix, man, it's this is it. So you know, just yeah. to see him laughing and smiling and feeling good, you know, he's healthy. Um, it's it's a good sign. Oh, and uh, they're at that point, you know, when the pitchers start to hit, like in the next turnaround, I think they're going to, because they've been DHing so far, and the pitchers are going to start hitting for themselves. Uh, and, you know, he's a career American leaguer. He was asked if uh, he's ready to swing the bat yet in his next start, and he said, oh, I forgot about that. I'm going to be in the cage tomorrow for sure. <laughs> you know he hit a grand slam, right? Yeah. yeah. He, hit a, <laughs> he hit a grand slam off of <laughs> Johan, opposite field. <laughs> high I fastball forgot was, i forgot it was off johan yeah, yeah we uh, i've seen him go upper deck at uh at safeco he's he's got some power uh wow. we used to so anytime you'd be in the american league and and you'd be approaching uh interleague because interleague used to just be like a two-week window or something it mm-hmm. wasn't all year yeah. like it is now mm-hmm. uh but you you you'd take pitchers bp and You'd find out real quick who the guys had, you know, any sort of athletic ability. You know, if, if once you started taking batting practice, because there'd be a few pitchers that couldn't even hit the ball in batting practice, and then there'd be, you know, like a, a Felix or a JJ Putts would be trying to hit balls in the upper deck, and it kind of everybody else was sort in the middle. Um, but he he was hitting balls at Safeco Field, which the ball does not fly, and this was the old balls. He was hitting balls up in the upper deck in left field. I was like, dang man, I want to see wow. this guy hitting a game. And I'd actually gotten sent down, and I was in AAA at the time, so we were watching the game on TV, and everybody was talking about how much power Felix had and everything like that. And he goes up, and it was like the first pitch or something. He hits an opposite field homer off, over wow. by the scoreboard at Shea Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild, man. Wow. Yeah, I could see that back in the day. And he was a big boy. Yeah, his eyes were closed. Yeah, he had another probably 25 pounds on him, too. Yeah. His eyes were closed. He just swung out of his ass and <laughs> hit a homer. This type of stuff he used to do all the time. We'd like to pause for a brief minute to ask you, our faithful, excellent listeners, to click the show notes for today's episode and then follow the link that's there to a very short survey. You all know so much about us, Eric, being a former member of Oventbril, living out in Seattle now, South recently got flooded. You all know these things if you've been listening to the show. 
Uh, but we don't know much about you or anything about you. So the survey is 11 super simple questions, and it will take you less than 60 seconds, I promise. So head to the show notes for today's episodes and click on that link. Do it now. Eric, Shane Green was charged with four runs in a ninth inning of Monday night's game against the Phillies over here at uh, uh, Cool Today Park. Three of those came while he was in the game. The last one came, he left with the bases loaded, I think, and they were some hard-hit balls that he gave up. The last one came after he left, and the prospect he came in gave up a hit. Uh, one of the home, one of the runs he gave up was was a home run Christian Betancourt, that long-ago Braves prospect who hit two homers in that game, one off Will Smith uh, in the seventh inning. But the one off Green was a blast. Uh, Green left with two out, and it's been a rough early spring for him. I tweeted today, he's 0-2, 16.88 ERA in three spring appearances. He's allowed six hits, six runs, five of those earned, two homers, two walks, and a wild pitch in two and two-thirds innings. Okay, so I tweeted that. Of course, you know the response. Several people predictably yeah. chimed in that <laughs> trade the bomb, biggest mistake, <laughs> this guy this guy killed us in the playoffs and all that. And to that uh. crowd, there was a sensible reply from one of the other Twitterers who said, Late inning pin guys have one of the toughest times in spring training. You hear all the time during the regular season, oh, he pitched poorly because it was a non-safe situation, therefore he was less pumped up. Now apply that to spring training where there is zero intensity. And I said, true, and something I'm going to ask you about later in the podcast. So I'm asking you, where are your thoughts on that on closers and other relievers, big, big, you know, major league relievers who aren't battling for, for, a, for a roster spot? Pitching in late innings of meaningless spring training games, is it hard to stay focused? And are you sometimes working on pitches anyway, and you're not going to use the same sequences that you'll use against teams you might, especially those you're going to face a whole lot during the regular season, those teams in the division? What where, where do you stand on that, on, on relievers and the stats they produce in spring training? You know, it's it's diff- It's weird because you really can be working on stuff, and people hate to hear that and mm-hmm. and and see that as a you know response because it seems like every time a guy sucks, he was working on something. You yeah, know, it's like a, it's a get out of jail free card all spring. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times, guys really are working on things. And for example, you're not going to throw a two zero breaking ball in spring training. Mm-hmm. You know, they, if you're trying to make a team, you might, but. I mean, it's a perfect opportunity to actually work on making that tough pitch and getting a ground ball and a fastball count. Um, if you have a guaranteed spot on a team, you're not worried about those numbers. Uh, so, you know, sometimes guys are working on stuff. Sometimes you come out flat. Uh, you just, you know, you just don't, you're not that amped up and, and there's still a month left. Uh, so right, he, right. he probably knows he doesn't need to be extremely locked in at this time. But as the momentum builds, you know, yeah. you start to you can start to get a little worried, you know, and yeah. start thinking, man, it's, I better start putting something together because the season's, you know, two weeks away or a week away. That's when you really want to kind of analyze how guys are throwing the ball and what's going on. But but this early in camp, you know, it's it is really a good opportunity to work on things. So I don't worry about that. Um, it, you know, it's the funny thing is if he if you're dealing you know, at this point in spring training, if you're if you're five scoreless already right now, you want the season to start because you start feeling like you're wasting yeah. good outings. And yeah. for him, it's just going to be one of those years where he's really glad that spring training's 45 days instead of 20. <laughs> so I'm not. I wouldn't worry about it. You know, until if you get close to the season and you're still getting shelled, then that's when, as a player, you start thinking, 
all right, what the heck's going on here? And am I going to have a decent season or not? Can I pull this together? You, you, you know, you can't just flip a light switch uh, sometimes, yeah, but exactly. this early, it's nothing to worry about. He could put together three good outings the last week of the season and, and be going into the season feeling really good. Well, let me ask you another thing. Uh, you know, in his, does it matter that a guy like his, his, in his case, he's in a very deep road, uh, bullpen and he's, one of the only guys that doesn't, the other guys that are ahead of him in the pen, the Will Smiths, uh, Chris Martin, and uh, and Mark Melanson, they all are on guaranteed contracts, obviously, uh, signed as free agents, or Melanson they traded for with the deals left on, with, with uh, years left on his contract. Um, Shane Green's not. He's He was an arbitration guy. So while he's just over $5 million, as an arbitration guy, as you know, they're not actually guaranteed. They're, it doesn't happen very often, but you could Never. cut him if you wanted to before opening day and owe him less than two million. If you cut him, you know, in a week, you'd only owe him a million. So, do you, does he? Do guys even think about that stuff, or is that the kind of stuff that you know? He's an all star last year with Detroit. Uh, is the general manager uh, generally kind of let you know either? Either, no. <laughs> either clearly say it or, or no. <laughs> yeah, you so you don't so in the back Never. of your mind there is some concern, maybe you think? No. No, you know, it's a lot of guys don't even know that. They don't even know the rules right. about getting right. you know, I didn't know that when I was going through arbitration every I thought my money was, was guaranteed every year. I was wondering about that. If I knew. signed two million arbitration, I was making it. There was no <laughs> there was no I didn't even know you could get cut and not pay right. him. But when you think about it, are you gonna you're not going to cut him this early in spring. The guy had a great year last year. Exactly. Then, and then you go, you go two more weeks, and you're just going right. to burn two million for him exactly. to pitch for somebody else. Totally. Or are you going to take the chance that this guy that's got six years in the big league is going to figure out how to keep being a big leaguer, and he's right. been one this long? Um, I don't, I don't think that stuff would really go through his head if he's going into a free agent year. Sometimes guys put a little more pressure on themselves, and and mm-hmm. you know you want to have this amazing season and, and get paid and everything, but. He probably just sucks right now, and he'll figure it out. You know, it's it's really that simple. Yeah, and he's not the kind of guy that has the stuff that I mean, he's just going to go out and overpower guys and blow them away with fastballs. You know, he's a guy that relies a lot on his breaking ball and and location. Cutter, so, yeah. A lot of times, uh, those are the guys that struggle too. Because if you're not, if you, you're finding your mechanics, you're finding mm-hmm. your delivery, you're finding the strike zone and. Uh, spring training could be tough because if you're trying to find a pitch like a, a cutter or a fastball, you're going to be in the zone with it a lot. And guys are just – you just face minor league guys that are just hacking. They don't care if it, what pitch it is. Right. If they see something right. in the zone, they're not trying to work a count. They're not yeah. trying to do – they're trying to go deep yeah. and impress you know, the, the, the guys in big league camp and things like that. So – uh, they've got about five or ten at bats. They're gonna make the most of them while they're over the big league. <laughs> they're not gonna get cheated. Uh, it's it's just one of those things that, that spring training is kind of a crapshoot with numbers anyway, and you you don't really worry about it when you've got some time in the game until I'd say the last week and a half, two weeks. You want to see yourself feeling pretty comfortable that you know if, if games start next Monday, I can get whoever I need to get out out. And, and talking about the type of pitcher he is too, and the adjustments and everything. Remember how bad he looked after that trade? He started out yep. as a closer, lasted about Same a week, thing. ten days, and then he may, and, and then they dropped him to a setup role, and it was like he flipped a switch, and all of a sudden, for you know six weeks, he was he was pretty damn good till that bad game, you know, in the division series. But those are the adjustments we're talking about, and sometimes it's mental, sometimes it's physical. Uh, it's it, the the talent's in there. Yeah, <laughs> the guy had a yeah. great year last year. You just got to be patient and let it sort itself out. I don't even think they would have entertained the idea of uh, cutting him to let him play somewhere else and still pay him one or right. two million. Exactly, 
then he goes over there and pitches exactly the way he did, you know, for most of last Every year. year. You're paying him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're paying him yeah. to, to leave. Uh, today, Austin Riley hit a massive two-run homer that banged off the scoreboard. I don't know if you've seen pictures of this place, but that's a poke to left center, almost the center, really, and uh, hit the scoreboard, which is probably 20 feet above the left field, left the fence. Uh, it was a shot. He has been, he's been hitting, he's been killing the ball, hitting line drives. And he's, he only had, I think one strikeout before today. And, uh, you know, he made the adjustment in the off season, went down and worked with Mike Brumley, their uh, minor league hitting coordinator, a couple times down in Dallas, uh, to, to stop the hip slide and the back foot that was moving and, and work on the elbow. And anyway, he looks right now where they wanted him to look like he looked when he first came up last year, really. He and Camargo both have played well so far in this third base battle. It's early, but they both played really well. Exactly what the Braves had hoped. You know, they'd hoped one of them at least would play this well, and they both look good so far. You know, Camargo in a lot better shape. I think I think it'll be Riley who wins the job because I think that power is just too big to keep out of the lineup. If he's not going to strike out much and he's going to hit, you know, line drives all the time and hit some bombs, I don't think, you know, he, they're going to keep him down AAA. Camargo, the question is, Camargo's got options. He can get sent down. Is, you know, Snit said some comments the other day. I don't know if you saw him, but Snit indicated that he doesn't want, he doesn't think either of those guys is ready or suited for a utility role at this point in his career, that it doesn't do justice to either, and pointed to Camargo how much he struggled last year in the utility role. You know, I thought it was because Camargo was out of shape and overweight last year is why he struggled, but Snit thinks it was partly because of the utility, you know, get after playing third base in 2018. Um, if if long story short, if Riley wins the third base job, I think they send. I think Snit would prefer he goes down to to AAA and plays third base every day for a while at least, uh, and then you could sort it out later, bring him up. But I, I and 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 I don't see uh, Riley if he has a great spring. I you know he's he's not a utility guy anyway. Riley plays you know he can, can play first and he plays the left field last year when he had to. But those spots are full anyway. So he's not going to get to play hardly at all if he's not the third baseman. And, and a platoon doesn't make any sense with those two guys. What do you think? Man, I mean, it's going to be a tough decision. I'd love to keep Camargo on the roster. You know, I think yeah. it's something that you just have to talk to him about. You know, if, if, if they think it was a mental thing, then you go up to him and you, you say, like, look, man, can you, can you handle a utility role? You know, are you mentally ready for this or do you want to go to AAA? Um, he's not going to say he wants to go to AAA no matter what, but you got to talk to him about it and see where his head's at. Um, because I think that was a big part of it last year. I think he was kind of, you know, maybe not feeling sorry for himself, but pretty disappointed. He had a big season yeah. the year before, and now he's backing up and, and just trying to get in the lineup. And it's also really hard um, for young players that are used to playing every day, especially guys that were prospects and stuff, to be sitting the bench two, three, four days in a row. Mentally, you can lose focus. You can get out of rhythm and yeah. – and, and and just you know it's just it's it's not easy it's a it's a big time adjustment but he's a switch hitter man he's got a cannon of an arm he's a good defender if you can find a way to keep him on the roster uh, i mean he's a huge piece he and he can do a lot of help but I, I think the hardest part for a young guy is they're looking at their career and how it's developing and and what's going to happen with it and he needs a veteran just to tell him like look man even if you're not playing every day you're still chipping away at your service time. You're still learning. You're still getting big league experience. You know, you got to have a good attitude about it. And if they feel like he can do that, I'd want to keep him in the big leagues if he could. Yeah. It's just, you know, Snit made it pretty clear. He doesn't want, he doesn't think it would be suited for it, but we'll see. Um, it is a 26 man roster. Remember this right. year, not 25. Um, so here's the case. Here's the case. Uh, 
it, it would presumably leave if if it's not if if he does if Snit you know is not just blowing smoke and they he does one of one of those guys to go to Triple A if he didn't make the you know win the third base job that would presumably leave one bench spot on the twenty six man roster because you got eight relievers. You got five outfielders currently, barring a trade or injury. You got five full-time outfielders, you know, with uh, uh, Marcelo Zuna, who's not looked good so far, but, you know, you don't worry about him. Um, Acuna, obviously. And then you got the three guys vying for one spot, and Ender has looked good so far. And uh, But you got Marcakis, and you got Duvall. Duvall. So you got, yeah. you got the five outfielders, plus you got Echeverria as your main utility infielder, which I think is another reason why Snit probably doesn't think, you know, Camargo would be well suited for utility role because Echeverria is the main ut- infield, u- utility infielder. So then you'd still have one more spot. He's on a minor league deal, though, right? Or is he on a big league contract? No, he's on a big league deal this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. And yeah, he's there. So then you would have, uh, you know, your two catchers. And that would leave one more spot. And I would think right now, even though they have the five outfielders, I would think uh, Culberson probably is the guy for that spot, you know, even though, you know, he's not much of an infielder right now. He still can play the infield, all the positions basically a little bit. Uh, and he's your pinch hitter and all that. So I would think it would be him right now if uh, if that's the way they go. And and, and Snit doesn't want to keep the loser of the third base battle in the big leagues. Well, it, it makes sense. It makes plenty of sense to, to keep him down there playing every day and, mm-hmm. and ha- groom him as an everyday player. He's got the talent. He should be one. He's just, yeah. he keeps getting put in a position where he's got yeah. some stiff competition, man. You know, there's, there's plenty of other organizations that it wouldn't even be a battle, you know, after his first year, they would have just been content with him and he, he would have been there, but this team's trying to win a division. And, and that's one of the tough things is, they went out and got Donaldson last year, and this year you got Austin Riley. You know they got a really strong farm system. He's just in a tough spot as far as competition goes. But I mean, it's there's nothing he can do but keep playing hard. So I get it. I get sending him down to to AAA and, and wanting him to stay sharp and and be ready because if somebody gets hurt or there's an opening, you don't want him. Yeah. You don't want him rusty or sloppy coming off yeah. the bench and and having worked himself into some kind of slump. Um, I definitely see both sides of it. You know. Change the topics here. There was a lot of good news in camp on Monday, Eric, and I'm sure you saw this, but especially the return of Freddie Freeman to the lineup after missing a week, uh, more of a cautionary thing than anything, uh, with soreness in that surgically repaired elbow, and the return of Martin Prado to a Braves uniform in whatever capacity it is. For right now, it's only as a, quote, guest, because I asked him if he's a guest instructor, and he said, he smiled. He said, no, I'm just a guest. But this is a big first step in in what the Braves hope. I I know they they want to get him back. I mean, Snicker is openly says he'd love to have this guy in any capacity. Uh, Freddie was raving about how he's going to be great the time he's here. He's going to be great with all the players, not just the young guys, but all of them. And Martin, you know, he's got three little kids, and his wife's a doctor down in Miami. So you know, there right now he's a stay at home dad. But you got to think the fact that he's back here in Braves camp because a lot of teams wanted him in camp this spring is maybe the first step in whether it takes a year or two who knows, but in, in him coming back to the Braves, maybe in some capacity. Uh, you, they want that. <laughs> everybody wants, yeah. everybody loves Prado. And the, the beautiful thing about him is he speaks English perfectly. He speaks Spanish perfectly. Right. Um, he, he can communicate with, with every player. And he's also, he gets the cultures, you know, he's, he's a really understanding guy 
and he can communicate in, in both languages really, really well. Not just speaking the language, but he can actually communicate and get his point across um, with anybody. He's funny in both languages, huh? He's funny. He's funny. I mean, <laughs> he, he's, he'll quote a movie like Step Brothers or he's a Will Ferrell quote or something like that that just hits the white guys perfect, right? Yeah. You know, he'll make, he'll, make, he'll make everybody in the clubhouse laugh on a consistent basis. Um, and it's, it's just the type of guy that if you have in the clubhouse, a guy that can communicate like that and then has the thump of having played so long in the big leagues. Um, yeah. Why wouldn't you want that? Everybody wants that. So I, I think I mean, in time, you know, it just depends on how busy he is, how much he wants to commit. Yeah. You know, the, the main downside for me with coaching is I'd have to move my kids or move my family or be away from my kids or be away from my family. And yeah. I think well, sure. with the amount of money that guys have made now, it's a lot more guys are going to be leaning toward like the the roving instructor roles, the the coordinator roles, or, or kind of like front office assistant type of things. But I don't think you're, you're going to see a guy like Martin Prado want to commit to traveling um, and keeping that schedule up if he's got little kids. Yeah, and his wife's a doctor, so it's, it's a little different than most. Yeah, she's busy cases. too. Um, but yeah, he's uh, you know, it's funny because he's as popular as as he is with the fans, and he is wildly popular with the fans. I haven't got more response to anything this spring. Other than uh, Martin being back in camp and Sport Fox Sports South letting Kelsey go, <laughs> those are the two things that have gotten the most response from fans. Yeah, <laughs> overwhelming. But uh, as popular as this with the fans, I, I try to tell people he's even more popular with his teammates. I have never met anybody that did not say Martin Prada was one of the best teammates they ever had. No, it doesn't happen. And it, you you get to know him a little bit on the outside, but when you're in the clubhouse with him every day. He just yeah. makes you laugh every single day, and he gets everybody's sense of humor. And it, it, he just walks around the clubhouse finding a way to make every single person laugh. He's not a selfish guy. Uh, he, he works his butt off. I mean, there's just really I can't think of anything to critique about him. It's yeah. he's just he's just a grade everything. He's he's one of the best guys I, I got to spend my time around uh, in my career. And he's like the ideal coaching prototype because he was a guy that didn't come up necessarily as a superstar. He came up as right. a utility guy. So he's had yeah. that role. Then he excelled, became an all-star, uh, playing a couple of positions that year. He was an all-star. Uh, got a nice big contract, pretty big contract. Played for the Yankees, you know, played for the Braves for a long time. Uh, hit over 300 a couple of years. I mean, he does so many things that would would lend itself to being a really good coach on top of having the, uh, most importantly you know the personality he has and such a great attitude and so intelligent so and bilingual obviously uh we said you know earlier in the podcast that when i first brought up the subject to prado i said after at the end of the last season i said i thought the Braves should do everything they can to get this guy on staff the minute he retires uh, and when he did announce his retirement, Snit reached out, you know, and stayed in contact with him and said, I want you here, whatever you want to do. I want you here in some capacity. And uh, yeah. he's here. So I don't know how for how long, but I said then, and I'll repeat now, while Acuna is a young player, I think yeah. the best thing in the world would be to have Martin Prado in that clubhouse with Acuna, not just Acuna, but, and not just other Latin players, but all the young players. Everybody, everybody could benefit from being around Prot. And I think that is the, probably the best thing about him is that he had to grind for it. He wasn't a super prospect. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a guy that was going to come up and just have a job handed to him. He he was a just busted his butt for his entire mm-hmm. career to to either get to the league, stay in the league, keep putting up numbers. And I think people just that really just resonates with people and you get you get respect for that in the clubhouse too when 
when you can ask guys, you know, what what was he like when you played with him? And they said, well, he was in the gym at 2 p.m. every day for a seven o'clock game. And and he was working out again after the game and he was studying in between while he was eating his food. You know, he was he was looking at, at video pictures and, and just all around a student of the game. And and the guy, he carved out a 10 year career through just pure hard work or 12 year career, I think. But guys like that, man, that you just you love having them around young players. So, yeah, it was a good week. It's a good week for the Braves, even though they're not winning on the field. As you know, Eric, that means absolutely nothing in spring training, it's especially in the first few weeks when so many minor leaguers are playing. The regulars are only getting a couple of bats. The starting pitchers are only going two, three, four innings. Things start to get a lot more serious in the, in the last week or two of spring training when the pitchers are going deep into games. The lineup regulars are playing most or all of the games, and most of the minor leaguers are down in minor league camp. So, But right now you're not seeing representative samples of any teams really so the important thing is everybody's healthy with the exception of Hamels who had an injury before spring training even began but you got Freddie Freeman back this week it looks to it looks to be exactly what he said nothing more than uh irritation or an aggravation after you know ramping up his activities exponentially at the beginning of spring training when he was hitting and and throwing so much more than he had been during the offseason so if uh if he's back and fine as he looks then he you know, he'll start playing on a on a daily basis, uh, sat Friday or Saturday, and that's the biggest relief for the Braves, obviously, because he's so important. But it's been a big week, good week for the Braves, despite the lack of wins. And we're going back to two shows a week starting this week. Everybody's everybody's been asking about that, and it starts now. And I hope you guys are ready because we sure are. Make sure to subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't already. You can save 40% off your first year subscription by visiting theathletic.com forward slash 755 is real. Again, that's theathletic.com forward slash 755 is real. Make sure to fill out that survey, too, that I mentioned earlier, and we'll see you guys later this week. 755 is real. We're out. See ya. See ya.